Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today, I am back in the hot seat answering all your questions you sent in about dairy alternatives, meat alternatives, and how to make sure you're getting the same amount of iron and protein, as well as healthy alternatives when snacking, which I think we all need. Make sure to tune in if you're curious about any of these because there's more to the story than you may think. For example, the dairy alternative that may be best for the planet may not be the best option for your health. Welcome everyone. Today we have a special episode. We have Andrew, our producer, back on screen to ask me some questions that we got from you all. Um, Andrew, I know you kind of gave me a sneak peek at some of the questions, but we're trying to group some of these questions based on certain topics. So we have some good ones for you today and Andrew, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. There's definitely some similarities in questions that were asked. So we're trying to group them all together and we're going to talk about essentially today alternative foods. So whether that's milks or meats or even what to turn to uh, for a snack instead of some of the, the, the problem foods. So I think to start out here, a lot of people are wondering about the milk alternatives, whether it's almond or oat and um, not just like what's good for your body, but also like maybe what, how does, how does each one have its effect on the environment? If people are concerned about uh, the environmental toll of some of these milks. Yeah. Okay. Good question. And a very hot topic right now, Mm -hmm. Um, especially the sustainability piece I've been seeing more and more, which I also feel like then the nutrition side of it is kind of falling to the waistline. So let's first start with nutrition wise. Great. Now I can't say there is a top milk alternative, whether it's a nut milk or a seed milk. Um, but some of my favorites are almond milk, a flaxseed milk, coconut milk. Um, and one that we've been using right now is a macadamia nut milk. Now things to consider with any of those. Um, first, a lot of people don't realize that they don't contain pretty much any protein unless they're fortified or protein is added to it. So compared to a cow's milk or soy milk, which usually has about eight grams of protein in an eight ounce serving, you're usually missing that. Um, again, unless they're fortifying it, which you also want to look at what are they fortifying it with? Is that still going to be good for my body? So actually Andrew and I were just talking about if you can tolerate a cow's milk, Nutrition wise, it may be ideal. However, most people can't. Um, and even with a soy milk, you know, some research is still to be determined, but soy milk could be a good option if you are looking for the protein aspect. Um, but going back to our nut and seed milks, other things you want to consider in terms of calcium, they can actually be higher in calcium, but again, they usually have to be fortified with calcium. So luckily they will usually put it smack dab on the front if they are, and it'll say twice the amount of calcium as milk. So if you're looking to get it as a calcium source, definitely find one that is fortified with calcium. Um, one of the biggest things here though, is purchase an unsweetened nut 
or seed milk um, or any milk alternative you are going to buy. And same with cow's milk too. <laughs> unsweetened, no flavoring. Um, well, I shouldn't say no flavoring because you can get an unsweetened vanilla, which is what we use. And it just adds that hint of flavor and almost like a hint of sweetness without the added sugar. But that is a big one. And then the last thing you want to consider, especially if you have any type of GI issue, you want to avoid any gums. Luckily in the ingredients, it will say like locust gum, guar gum. It'll say what gum it is, but you want to avoid gums. And the best way to actually do that, because it is hard. There are some brands that do, um, produce nut and seed milks without gums. It will say they tend to be more expensive, but a way you can make it less expensive for yourself. And a way that we actually love to do it is you can make your own homemade nut milk. Now, we are a little lazy in our household and <laughs> most nut and seed milks, you have to strain through, um, just through like a cheesecloth at the end, like an almond milk, if you were to make it home and all you need are the nuts and water. That's it. Um, but one nut that you can do without is cashew milk. So we like to make a homemade cashew milk. I actually have a really good um, video on my Instagram reels for it. It's super simple. We add a little bit of vanilla extract, a little bit of sea salt. I'll add some cinnamon and then just blend it. I'll blend it in my Nutribullet with some water and you're good to go. So that's a great way too, if you do want to make it at home and avoid those gums, especially like we said, if you have any GI issues. Real quick, yeah. I'm 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 interested. Um, you know, we were just talking, and and I started to ask a question. I was like, no, like, wait, actually, let's save this for the show because you mentioned that a lot of people can't tolerate cow's milk, and yes. I'm wondering because I was about to say like, oh, I can tolerate it, but I don't have it that often because I don't like how it makes me feel, and I think I'm just realizing that, that most likely means you can't, can't tolerate. tolerate it but <laughs> so, i think there's yeah. probably a lot of people like that like <laughs> me who are like when they when they think of having like a milk intolerance or something like that think of something maybe more debilitating or more extreme yep. so usually andrew that's a great question so like signs and symptoms that you most likely don't tolerate dairy well and it can also be that like some people don't tolerate cow like cow's milk very well but they can tolerate a full fat grass-fed yogurt gotcha. that's made from cow's milk, um, or certain cheeses. But the thing you want to look out for, yes, if you don't feel well, that's a sign <laughs> and symptom for anything that something's yeah, wrong. Yeah. Um, but the best way to do it, if you're not sure if you can tolerate it is if you cut it out for a long period of time, and this is with any food and you reintroduce it, you may not feel great, but what I would say is if you cut it out for about two to four weeks and then reintroduce it. So it's not too long of a period of time where your body's going to react poorly, no matter what, then you can really see if usually it's like GI issues, not feeling mm -hmm. great. Um, but that's a way to like to test, to see if you don't tolerate it well, but also no too. So like for me personally, I don't tolerate cow's milk dairy very well. But the great thing is some other alternatives um, that are not, you know, vegetarian or vegan, but sheep's milk and goat's milk, people tend to do better digestion wise. So even for cheeses, getting like a Manchego cheese, a sheep's milk cheese, or go using a goat cheese. Um, or we like, if we have yogurt, we use a sheep's milk yogurt. Mm -hmm. And the great thing too, is a lot of the times with sheep's and goat's milk, they're always grass fed. They're usually less processed too. So that's another alternative. Um, 
if you're not really sure if you tolerate cow's milk, and then if you do find you are, but you do okay with sheep's milk or goat's milk, that's another way too. And now there's so many brands um, that even have like actual goat's milk that you can buy. Yeah. Um, and that can be another option for you. Great. So, so if I'm standing at the supermarket and I'm yeah. looking at the wall <laughs> of all these milks, like how do I the know hundreds of them? <laughs> yeah. How do I know what to buy? Like, is there, is it, is it, uh, you know, consulting with a, you know, a, 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 a physician or with a dietitian, or is it knowing your own body trial and error? So I think with, um, like we said, if you notice you have a sensitivity to cow's milk, which will be very different than an allergy, an allergy, you will see physical signs usually, um, like hives for babies, they'll get eczema. Um, so that's when like, you know, you probably need to go to your doctor and get tested to see if you have an actual dairy allergy, but for most people, it's just that sensitivity. So once you know that maybe, you know, if you do want to try the goat's milk or sheep's milk, cause you really want that protein from it, try that out. Just like how you did with your cow's milk. If you're sensitive, you've no sensitivity to it. That's great. That could be a good option. And then if you're moving to those nut or seed milks, that's where, again, we want to look for unsweetened can be the unsweetened vanilla. Um, you know, I was talking about almond milk, cashew milk, coconut milk, macadamia nut milk. Those are all good options. And the next one we're going to talk about, which ties into our sustainability question. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. So um, if, if those are the, the, yeah. the so, health reasons, what are the sustainability? Exactly. Aspects? So one, I want to like send with caution nutrition wise, but it actually maybe the best for the planet, or it's been showing now that it's most likely the best for the planet is oat milk. Um, and nobody do not shoot the messenger because I'm not going <laughs> to tell you, you can't have your oat milk. I'm just going to give you a better way to have it. So the issue with oat milk is it's coming from oats and oats are a starch. So they actually carry the most natural sugars out of any of these nut and seed milks. So we just need to be cautious that usually when you're having an oat milk, it's going to spike your blood sugars the most out of any milk. Um, also you want to check the ingredients as well, but then in terms of sustainability, it does use, you know, the least amount of water, um, in terms of like land use and emissions in terms of all those three total, it's the lowest on the totem pole. So it's better for the environment, but then it's, I would say it's probably the least healthy, but again, not saying you can't have your oat milk. I'm never going to tell you you can't have anything, um, unless it's something, I don't know, really bad. But, um, (laughs) what I would say is if you love your oat milk in your morning coffee or your beverage, just add in a tad here and there but have another milk alternative as your go-to nut milk. If you want like a glass of nut milk at night, right. Or you you're giving your kids some in the morning versus having that oat milk. Another thing to consider if you are gluten sensitive or have celiacs, especially if you have celiacs, um, oftentimes oats are cross contaminated with gluten. So you have to choose a brand that says they are using gluten-free oats. And that's the same for like buying oatmeal, things like that, if you're gluten sensitive, but that's something a lot of people, because oats should be naturally gluten-free, we just assume that, but a lot of the times there's cross-contamination. Yeah. So thinking about that as well, but I do want to point out that, um, and this is something I've actually been seeing on social media. So 
almonds get a bad rap in terms of sustainability or almond milk, I should say, because they do use a lot of water. However, their land use and their emissions are very low. So again, when you're looking at the bigger picture and all three together, it's actually not that far off from oat milk. So that's where, I mean, it's all perspective too, right? And what people want to portray. Um, And that's, again, where I can't say even sustainability-wise, one is so much better um, than others, just like how we can't say nutrition-wise. The only one I want to caution you with nutrition-wise, and unfortunately, it's the most sustainable, (laughs) is oat milk. And again, you can have it sparingly here and there for just adding a tad bit here and there, but not as your main go-to. What I'm hearing too is is it may be slightly less convenient, but maybe buy a small thing of oat milk for your coffee, have a different type of milk for your cereal, have a different type of milk for this or that. Like you don't need to have one milk that works for every situation. Totally. And a good thing with that too, Andrew, because like the smaller cartons, will usually be like the creamer style ones or the barista blend ones. (laughs) Most of the time, barista blends means added sugar in there. That's usually (laughs) what it means. And that's why when you go to like your favorite coffee shop, actually, Andrew, I was just talking, I had an almond milk latte and I haven't had one in so long. And we got it at our coffee shop down the street. And like, I definitely like it because it's sweeter. Like it definitely is not, they're not using an unsweetened almond milk. So just caution yourself if you are buying the smaller ones, like the smaller cartons that are like the more creamer style or barista blend, make sure it is unsweetened. You want to look at the back, make sure there's no added sugars and it should say unsweetened on the front, but that is one to caution you with. Well, no, this, I think this is so helpful information and it ties right into another question um, that, that a lot of people have been asking. And I think it's also a conversation in, in the sort of culture right now has to do with meat alternatives um, yes. and, and, and uh, there's a lot of people who are, who are interested in the sustainability side of things, but with any processed food, uh, there, there become some issues. And I know we've talked briefly on the podcast before about yeah. some of the, the, the dangers of processed meat alternatives, but, uh, if you could speak a little bit more about sort of like what is out there and, and what is so bad about processed food in general. Yeah. So let's, Um, I'm just going to clarify a little bit. So processed meat alternatives are most likely, most likely going to be those imitation meats. You know, the one that's trying to be the burger, that's trying to be the sausage. Um, those are usually the most processed. So the issue there is with any processed food, it's not coming from whole foods, right? It's not coming from whole foods that have all these vitamins and minerals. It's coming from processed foods. And something I will always tell clients to do when they're reading any ingredient label is when you're reading it, ask yourself, could I make this at home? Could I buy all these ingredients and make it at home? If the answer is no, it's probably something it's again, not to say you can never have it, but something you want to choose sparingly. Um, like if it's that imitation burger or, um, imitation sausage, You can have it if you're generally eating a healthy diet here and there, but do not rely on it. And that's what I see a lot of the times when people are making that transition maybe to a plant-based, a fully plant-based diet or predominantly plant-based, they find like those, you know, meat alternative meat crumbles and they love them. And then they just start using them constantly Mm -hmm. because they were used to eating meat that way before. 
but it's not the same thing. If you were to compare a processed imitation plant-based meat to a grass-fed meat or a pasture-raised meat, the nutrition is completely different because again, the grass-fed meat or the processed meat, that's it's coming from a whole food. It's not processed at that point. Um, and it's not going to be if you're getting it in that form. Um, so that's where I will tell people if, if you are switching over to not eating meat for ethical reasons, then yes, we got to figure it out, which I, I'm sure Andrew will talk about, you know, what are some healthy meat alternatives, but if you are trying to eat less meat or switching over for health reasons, and you're switching over to those imitation meats, versus having, like we said, like a grass-fed meat or a pasture-raised meat, you're not improving your health there. Um, And that's the thing too, with any processed food, there's always processed oils and all these things that really just cause more inflammation in our body. Um, So, and that's where I do feel for people because I think they think they're making a better choice, but they're actually probably putting more processed food in their body, even though it doesn't look like a candy bar. It doesn't look like potato chips. It looks like meat. Um, It's not so great. But one alternative I will say, if you're looking for like kind of the imitation burger or something like that, is you can get, actually, well, you know, it's kind of a whole topic, but you can get a veggie burger made from whole foods. However, you want to make sure it's a high protein veggie burger. A lot of veggie burgers will only have like five grams of protein, maybe 10 grams of protein, which is better. But for a meal, you really want closer to 20 to 30 grams of protein. So I will say one brand I love for this is Dr. Prager's. I mean, all of any, any of their products have great whole food ingredients, but they do have a few high protein veggie burgers. And there's two that are supposed to be like their, you know, imitation burger ones and they taste great. Mm -hmm. It does give you that burger feel. But what I love is you read the back and it's pretty much all vegetables. Like you can, you could make it at home. Yeah. Well, that's even something I'm starting to see, you know, online is uh, as the sort of imitation burger meat craze continues, (laughs) there's starting to be now some recipes that of stuff you can make at home. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember 20 years ago, the recipes for imitation burgers, it was just like, take a can of beans and put it in a blender and, and try to cook it as a, as a burger. And it never worked. It tasted fine, but it would always fall through the grates on your barbecue. And Oh, totally. And if it, if it really tastes like meat, and that's always been the challenge for the industry. Like I make a great, um, beet and chickpea veggie burger, but it tastes like a veggie burger. It doesn't taste like meat. And I, you know, I do love that the one Dr. Prager's when I think they they hit it pretty well that it does taste like meat, but it is just, you know, it's not meat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's never going to be meat. Um, but you want to well, make along- sure it's still coming from whole foods. Yeah. And along those sort of lines, like let's, let's uh, go into that. Like, so for someone who maybe is thinking of cutting out meat, yeah, uh, you know, what, what are some healthier alternatives that people can turn to, uh, to get the same, you know, like what, what, let's phrase the question this way. Like, let's say I'm interested in cutting out some meat. What are the the nutrients that I'm going to be missing out on? Protein is one of them. What else, what else do I need to be conscious of? And then how can I get that from other sources? Okay. So the two biggest things, Andrew, I mean, the first one you hit protein, 
iron. Another one is B vitamins, Mm -hmm. but let's focus on protein and iron. So your best non-meat alternatives for getting those things, um, tempeh is probably one of the best because that's fermented soybeans. And because of the fermentation process, it's also amazing for your gut. So tempeh is a great one. Um, if you're not sure how to cook tempeh, there's so many different ways you can one, just throw it on a pan. Um, we actually love air frying it. It makes it so crispy and it's also just really easy that way. Another alternative too, could be organic, um, tofu, which I do stress organic just because soy tends to be one of the highest, um, foods in GMOs or genetically modified. So you want to look to, I would say tempeh first and then tofu just add in sparingly. Cause that's another one where I see people just rely on tofu. They're just using it like they would, you know, meat and they're having it most days. Um, but tempeh is going to be more ideal. So mixing those two up also legumes like lentils, chickpeas, beans, they're going to be high in protein and iron, but you have to remember they also come with carbohydrates and a decent amount. So all I want to say there is if you're looking at your plate and let's say you're doing, um, like we love lentil pasta at our house, that's going to be my only carb on the plate. Or even if you're having beans, look at that as your protein source, your carb source, um, and you know your you can have other iron sources as well. Mm-hmm. But look at that as your carb source rather than having, let's say, beans on your plate, and then you have mashed potatoes with that as well. So that's just something to caution you with because sometimes it's an interesting people, meal: beans and mashed potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, you know another carb no, but source: I hear, rice. Yeah, like uh, beans and rice. Yeah. Beans there and rice go. is there a better go. one. <laughs> but having beans and or rice fruit. because. Yeah, exactly. Because then what happens is, and this is, I actually see this a lot with people who are transitioning to, let's say a vegetarian diet or um, even a vegan diet, their carb intake goes up dramatically, which Mm -hmm. starts spiking their blood sugars. And yes, it comes with a lot of fiber, which will help, but it's still spiking their blood sugars a lot. So just make sure that's your only carb source. Um, Other alternatives... I mean, those are probably my top ones, getting legumes. We talked about tempeh, tofu, nuts, seeds, but they're not going to be that. They're not going to replace meat. Gotcha. So they're not going to be that high protein source. So like a serving of nuts, you're going to get about maybe seven grams of protein in it. So great for a snack or great. Like if you're making a salad and you have your crispy tempeh on your salad, sprinkle some nuts, sprinkle some seeds just to increase that protein, but it's not going to, that wouldn't be like a one-to-one replacement. Um, in terms of iron. So I should start with explaining there's a difference between plant-based iron and, iron that comes from animal sources. So plant-based iron is called non-heme iron and iron from animal sources is called heme iron. Heme iron is much better absorbed by our body than non-heme iron. So even if you see, which I feel like Instagram's flooded with it, when you see posts that say, you know, X amount cups of spinach has the same iron as uh, let's say a a steak. Mm -hmm. Well, sure, maybe the number does, but when you actually look at what your body's going to actually absorb, which is what matters, the absorption rate is 
completely off. So one easy thing you can do though, is with those plant-based iron sources is to pair them with vitamin C rich foods, like um, peppers are high in vitamin C, strawberries, and then also any type of citrus fruit. So that's a way that you can make it more comp- you know, comparable to the iron in meat. So for example, let's say you have your chickpeas, which are higher in iron, and then you make a hummus and you make a red bell pepper hummus. You're increasing that iron from the chickpeas. Or I think the easiest way too is just whatever iron rich food you're using, like even um, spinach is high in iron. Sprinkle some lemon. Just get in the habit of always putting some lemon juice on top and even just a little bit. You don't have to put too much. Mm-hmm. That's really going to help increase that iron absorption. So that's my best tip for making sure you're getting the same amount of iron because even though just eating um, like some lentils on its own, it's high in iron, you're not actually absorbing that much. So you always want to make sure you're adding in that vitamin C with it. Yeah, no, that's the, su- such great tips. And and would you recommend anyone who's making a, a big dietary change like this or in any other way to sort of you know, keep it, keep track or keep an eye on, on what's happening to their bodies and, 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 and talk with someone if they're, they feel weird or different, obviously. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, this answer because I feel like (laughs) Andrew, we talk about this with every single guest. You have to pay attention to how your body's feeling. And that's actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's another thing I see if people are transitioning to um, a vegan vegetarian diet or just predominantly plant-based and they're, they are incorporating a lot more legumes in particular, like beans and chickpeas. A lot of people don't tolerate those foods very well. So some people may be like, oh, I'm starting to feel so much more bloated and I don't feel well. You have to pay attention to those things. Yes. There could be a period of just a transition time where okay, you weren't eating those things too often and now you are, your body's transitioning. But if it's pretty consistent, you have to back off a little bit. Um, A good alternative there though is usually lentils have less of an impact on your GI system than beans or chickpeas. Um, So that's a better way too. And then usually with tempeh, Um, Some people can have GI issues from tofu, but usually with tempeh, because it's fermented, it actually, it does your gut some good healing. So that's why I would say too, if if for anyone that's uh, vegan, vegetarian, try to incorporate tempeh as much as you can as a protein source. One protein source I do not like is um, seitan. And it's basically, it comes from wheat and that can be really taxing on your gut. Um, again, too, it's also higher in carbohydrates and that's just one. I, I honestly wouldn't recommend anyone use as a protein source. Um, but you know, that's another option that is out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, no, I think this is so great. And then sort of continuing the trend of alternative foods, Mm -hmm. um, Let's say this, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you got your milk down, you got your meat down, yeah. but maybe your snack game is what's really struggling. Um, we're, we're, we're combining different questions. So try yeah. to make it a theme. So go with us here, go with us here. Yeah. But like, what are some alternative, uh, snack foods to eat instead of bad snacks? You know, whether it's chips or sweets, et cetera. Okay. Good question. And this is, 
I mean, we could have a whole episode on snacking. We could actually probably have multiple episodes on snacking, which maybe we'll do that. Um, first thing you want to ask yourself, what are you trying to get out of a snack? You want to be full. You want to be satisfied for a few hours, right? Um, and that's something where depending on what food you eat is going to predict that. So in order to stay full, your snack needs to have a combination of, or one of protein, healthy fats, fiber. Those are the things that are going to keep you full and think fiber from veggies and high fiber fruits. When I say fiber versus sometimes people automatically think of grains right away, but grains don't have as much fiber as you will with, and they also come with carbohydrates as well, um, as your fruit or veggies will. So, um, with that said, a carb heavy snack, like let's say you were just having a carb alone with no protein or very minimal protein, healthy fats or fiber that can actually increase your sugar or carb cravings because every carbohydrate, when it's broken down your body turns into sugar. So that's why it's and, or, so that's something you want to make sure. So even if that's, you know, let's think of the, you know, the worst, but a more processed food, like you're just like, Oh, I'm going to grab a few pretzels for a snack, or I'm going to grab a few potato chips. All that's going to do carbs are never there to help keep you full unless they have a lot of fiber with them. So all that's going to do is spike your blood sugar and increase your cravings again for more carbs or more sweets. Now on the other side of it, even if you're just having fruit alone, like an apple, yes, there is some fiber to it, but that's another one. No protein with it. Um, no extra fiber, no healthy fats going to spike that blood sugar up. So when our blood sugars spike ways to have it not spike as quickly or not as high is to add protein, healthy fats or fiber. And it does have some fiber in the skin, et cetera, but some like, well, actually most people think just having a piece of fruit is a great healthy snack, but you really want to pair it. I mean, the one fruit you could get away with is like raspberries or blackberries because they do have a lot of fiber per cup. So you could be okay there. Um, but just a simple pairing of pairing it with some nuts or nut butter, right. Which will have protein and healthy fats game changer. Andrew Mm -hmm. will keep you full way longer. Also won't make you hungry. Like for me, myself, when I have just an apple, which I rarely do because I'll tell you what happens to me, but you get a, whenever you have a blood sugar spike, it then comes down. And when it comes down, that's when you have those, you know, sugar and carb cravings, but also you start to feel hangry. So for me, if I had an apple within half hour to 45 minutes, I'm ravenous. I'm hungrier than I was before I even had the apple. I'm starving. And then I'll just go for anything. Right. Yeah. So that's another detriment too, with not having that protein and healthy fat. So different options you can do, um, Let's start with uh, some salty snacks. 
olives are a great one. And I feel like most people get really excited. Um, and you can have a decent I mean, I'm amount. Not a like big a, olive fan. Oh, okay. But I'm but well, I'm sorry, not you then. But like I'm such a green olive. I mean, I could eat green olives every day. But you get like a serving is about eight of them. Um, and they're rich in healthy fats, right? All good healthy fats for you. They have the salty flavor. And then, you know, always trying to pair, like I always tell people, snack times are such a good opportunity to get in fruits or veggies. So pair it with, um, you know, some vegetables on the side. And then you get like that crunchy too. You pairing that salty with the crunchy. Um, also, you know, having half or a quarter of an avocado and sprinkling some sea salt on it. And then having those veggies on the side again, so you get the salty and crunchy or even having your vegetables and just sprinkling sea salt on them. I'm telling you transforms vegetables like carrots with sea salt on top or cucumber with sea salt on top does not taste like plain cucumber. So that's a great way to get kind of that crunchy salty and then pair it with, you know, some extra protein, like some hummus or have your olives for the healthy fats to help keep you full. Because unfortunately the fiber just from the vegetables probably isn't going to keep you full for too long. Um, and then another great one, which I was just snacking on yesterday are roasted chickpeas. So you can make them either at home in your oven. It's super easy. You can add whatever spices you like, add your salt. So you get that salty, crunchy, but you can also buy them in the store as well. Just peek at the oils they're using and try for an avocado oil or an olive oil or coconut oil, but that's a great one. And they have like individual packs. Um, so those are great for salty and then for sweet, um, little things I would say, just adding like a sprinkle of Ceylon cinnamon or some nutmeg, or for me, pumpkin pie spice, like hits all the right notes that has a natural sweetness to it. So let's say you're doing some berries, you know, you put on, you know, a tablespoon or two of nut butter, and then you sprinkle on some sea salt and some of the Ceylon cinnamon or pumpkin pie spice, I'm telling you, it will bring out that sweetness. Um, and if you're a chocolate lover, one thing you can do too is um, just take like a square or two of dark chocolate. Usually you always want about 80% or more. So it's not too high in sugar and just add that to your snack plate. I'm all about making yourself a nice, beautiful snack plate. So it's just more enjoyable. And there, we get so much more satisfaction out of food when it looks pretty. So it's not just for Instagram half the time. It also is really, it just makes us happier. Um, and that's why too, when we go out to restaurants and they do all these fancy things with their plating, it does, it instills more happiness and it makes yeah. you feel like it's more special, right? Um, so you can add that to your snack plate. And then what I always tell people is if you still want your crackers with your hummus or your chips with your guac, that's fine. But I want you to add some vegetables to that plate because you will notice just having that fiber from the veggies is going to get you fuller faster and you're going to eat way less crackers. You're going to eat way less chips. Um, and that's just an easy way that you can get in more vegetables. Again, just taking those snack times as an opportunity. So what I would urge everyone to do is when you are sitting down for a snack, ask yourself, could I put veggies on this plate? Could I add fruit to this plate? Um, do I have like a protein, healthy fat or high fiber item on this plate? That's going to actually keep me full. And then two, you also have to play around with it. Everyone's blood sugars are a little bit different and how they react to it. So 
see how you're feeling. If you find you ate a snack and within an hour you're hungry again, you need to revisit that snack and think, okay, what was I missing? What could I have added there to help keep me fuller longer? Well, this has been so great and I think so informative. And I think I've definitely learned uh, about this, even though I knew some of the questions and answers ahead of time, but but it's always taking that opportunity to learn and improve, I think is so important. So thank you for sharing all this information. And uh, for anyone listening, if they have any more questions about this or any other things, they can, they can send us a question, uh, an email to podcasts at nordicnaturals.com. And uh, we hope to do some more of these question uh, and answer podcasts in the future. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andrew. Based on this episode, I encourage you to be a detective about your food and check the ingredients, especially for alternative foods, and ask yourself, could I make this at home? If the answer is no, it's not to say don't ever have that food, but just incorporate it more sparingly or seek out a better option. And you can always reach out to me if you need further guidance. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. So go check it out. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.